You're listening to the Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit, brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. Welcome to episode seven of the Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit. And of course, I've got my awesome offsider. Offsider? Hmm. Yeah, Jack Thatcher, how are you? Yes, thank you. Partner in crime, all those things. Today we're going to be talking about turning your passion or your hobby into a business. And maybe, Mm. should you even? I think that's key. Mm. Because I think if there's been anything that I get asked a lot is, should I take the next step with this? So, I've got some key areas that I think we can go through that might be a little bit helpful to get people started, but I think it's key that we go through whether this idea is a good one mm-hmm. or is it something that maybe it's it's really something that should just stay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the key, isn't it? Whether or not you might be great curating flowers at home, but maybe do you want to take that leap to be a florist? Yeah. It's and- that. Correct. Is it something that you can translate from being a hobby mm. um, and just something you like doing because it de-stresses you, mm. um, you find it relaxing? Yes. You know, as you know, opening up a business, starting a business is not relaxing. No, no. So you're going to kill the passion that mm. you've had for this thing yes. through just the mere fact that you're going through the machinations of running a business with it. So I think there's that element to it all too. Absolutely. And I think it's that if, you know, you've got a hobby that's maybe something that's a, a, in the creative space, um, you know, like I love colouring with my Gerwins, pretty sure no one would buy what I'm creating. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it's about getting clear on you may be passionate about or may love what it is that you're doing. But I think the first step is, do you want to take this the next step? And if so, you need to have the courage to ask other people whether they think there's some merit in what you're doing. But ask the right people. Yep. You don't want someone, I think, that's just going to tell you what we you want, want to hear. Don't ask him up. No, no, no. You just need to get very clear on whether this is something that other people are going to buy into, whether it's a, it's a, a service or it's a product. Um, I think the next thing is that if you're absolutely adamant that it is going to work, because I have to say not everybody probably agreed with what I was doing that it would work when I started Adorn 15 years ago. Um, but I just knew in my gut that it would work. And my passion there came from enjoying applying makeup. It was very much like colouring in for me. So mm. that whole doing someone's wedding or, or teaching people how to put makeup on, it was a great way of giving back. But I actually, from a therapeutic point of view, enjoyed it. And but to be fair, though, you did also own a salon prior. Yes. To. So yes. it's not like you were a makeup artist and then you decided to create a cosmetics um, no, brand. No, correct, correct. You had owned a business. Yes. So Got a bit of intel through Correct. That. And you had had that contact with customers. You started to learn what worked, what types Absolutely. of products women needed, um, what was ethically produced, what wasn't, mm. what the real ingredients were with mm-hmm. some of these things. So you had a real strong base of knowledge to come from. Like a test pilot, wasn't it really? Correct. Yeah. And you also had the trust and you understood what customer loyalty meant. You yes. had developed, you know, a great customer loyalty program through your salon. You know, so mm. you it's not like you just kind of woke up one morning and said, no. I'm going to go from being a makeup artist to starting a cosmetics no. company. No. And how long, because how long did you open uh, the 
selling for? Well, it might have been, it was definitely two years. Yeah, was it, was it three years? Yeah, it might have been two or three mm-hmm. years, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, look, without even realising it, you're exactly right. I had that as an opportunity to sort of get a bit of clarity and and some understanding about what would work and maybe what wouldn't work. And, you know, obviously then later on was able to put those things into play. Now, if that's not your situation, maybe you're in a corporate environment but you enjoy, um, I don't know, a, a style of painting or something like that. Again, creative things are subjective, aren't they? Mm. But I think it's still important then if you don't have the ability to test something out, you, you do have to find a, a group or someone that's going to give you some some solid feedback around what you're doing um, and then how that translates into a business. So you could be very, very good at your thing, but are you going to be very good at translating that into a business? And we can have the best skill set of whatever that hobby is and be absolutely hopeless at everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it could even be that you've got the most beautiful artwork but you don't know how to get it out there. Mm-hmm. And then you start to think maybe it's crap, but it's not. It's just you don't know how to get it out there. There's so many fundamentals of, you know, moving something from a passion to a business. But I think the key for me is, okay, you've recognised you've got a passion and you want to do more with it. I think you then need to get very clear on what that means. Is this going to be something that you're just happy to do and uh, take to the odd market or... Um, Sell to friends and family. So, yeah, yeah. And, and if that's what you want to do, that is fine. Get clear on that. If you want to turn this into something that you can get rid of your corporate job or you want to actually turn it into a multi-million dollar business, get clear on that. And then you work back from that. What do you want it to look like at the end? And then you work back from that. And so it answers some very simple questions that way. If you just want to keep it as a bit of a passion with some passive income, not probably not too much needs to go into that. But if you want to turn it into something that is an exchange for your career, then you need to then obviously replicate the money that you're earning in your career with this new passion. So how are you going to achieve that? So it's looking at what money would you need to start the business as well as to supplement your income at some point when you do leave it. So I think for me it was about, okay, I'm comfortable with this amount of debt because for me I did want to take it to a business level um, and I got very comfortable with what debt I felt I could handle. And I think, Mm. yeah, and I think there's so many little dot points I know you and I both got here that we're going to go through in a bit more detail. But I think the overarching thing that I would recommend anybody is that you need to get clear with that. Because once you know what your debt is that you're comfortable with, and the way I worked it out was I worked out what I know I'm worth if I went to work as a CEO or something for someone else. Mm And how long it, I would be prepared to go back to a career, how long I'd be prepared to work for to pay back that debt. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I thought I'm, I'm comfortable with accumulating enough debt that if it took me five years of working and having a life still, but being able to pay back whatever that debt was. And then I worked out what that debt could be. And mm-hmm. so because I had that number in my head, I was not on a day-to-day basis thinking, holy shit, I've just spent $100 on this or $1,000 on this. There's no money in the bank this week or this, I've got to borrow from here. I got very, very clear because everybody's got a different level of comfort and mm. risk management. Indeed. And mm. you need to, if, if there's anything that gets you very clear about your personality around this stuff, it's, it's, it's the financial stress. So get clear, very, very clear at the beginning what your level of debt comfort is and then once you've got that you can then work out okay 
I can work in the parameters of this and you'll find you're less stressed on the journey because you've already set that goal rather than than just flying blind. That is is such good advice and I think, you know, if you've got a partner um, as well, I Mm. think the two of you, you know, understanding what that is and then getting, you know, the support of, again, a banker or a financial advisor Mm. to for you to be able to go, right, this is where we've, this is what we've agreed, we're prepared to throw at this Mm. Um, and the debt situation that we can absorb um, based on all our other commitments that we've got. If you may have older teenage kids and school fees and goodness Mm. knows what else or ageing parents you've got to help walk after and all those things you have to take in consideration that going completely untethered um, into, you know, sort of, you know, lollipop coloured, sky thinking it's all going to be um wonderful is i think just a recipe for disaster so i think that's such such sage advice yeah and and like you just said it's i think then it gets clear if you've got a partner to consider they then know and feel some sense of control over what is happening and where the money is being spent and there's no like oh my god this was five grand this month like you've got that whole 12 Mm. months to sort of work around what you can afford i mean without scaring everybody you know nine out of ten businesses in the first decade don't last it is very ruthless and it's very difficult i don't know that it's always just because of the business i think it's simply that the cash flow was not articulated or worked out Mm. properly and i think that um it's possibly that that person didn't get the right people around them. I'm a big, big believer of getting people around you that are better than you at certain mm-hmm. things. Um, but mostly they weren't clear on their own personality around risk mm-hmm. and that's usually what has been the downfall for them. They can't cope with it. Mm-hmm. So get very clear on that. Um, I thought I'd just, I've got some little touch points of some things that you just very basic stuff that doesn't cost really anything to sort of get together. So even if you're sort of wondering whether you want to do anything or not, you could at least get clear about setting these things up correctly. And then I've got like a pros and cons of turning on. So I thought I'd go through that and then we can have a bit of a discussion about that. So I think the first steps aside from what we've just discussed is, again, discussing with your accountant if you've got one, you know, is this particular um, passion slash business one that you even need to report? Because there could be an instance where maybe your passion is to reduce waste and you sell secondhand things on a marketplace like Facebook. Mm-hmm. Maybe you start curating things at home. Um, maybe you go to people's garage uh garage sales, maybe it's that kind of thing. Um, I know people that sell boats and things like that and there's a certain amount of things you're allowed to sell before that even becomes something that you need to claim. Mm. So get clear on that because Mm. you might not need to pay tax on those things. my, you mentioned too before about a fan, financial planner. My advice on that is to never take advice from anyone that doesn't have what you are trying to achieve. Um, and I know that sounds quite ruthless, but I wouldn't take advice from someone how to bake a cake that doesn't eat them. So mm. it's that whole, are they like, what do they have mm. to bring to the table to actually give? Are they walking the walk yes. essentially? Um, you don't want a financial advisor that's just been, you know, learning out of his out of his book. I don't think that's of any help no. to you at all. Um, so an ABN, if you need that, get that registered. Do you need to be registered for GST? Probably not the first year or two because you do need to earn over. I think it's eighty 
or 50, no, I think it's less now, is it 50 or 60 or whatever it is, whatever the amount is you've got to earn before you even need to pay GST. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that means if you're not registered for GST, you can't charge it either. So do bear that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, separate bank accounts, absolutely, definitely separate yep. bank account. So you can keep an idea on what is going in and out. Insurances, you know, are you doing something that's a personal, um, I don't know, maybe a home at home waxing, hair salon, I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe you are promoting your products in someone else's property or at a marketplace. You need to have certain insurances in case someone trips over, hurts themselves, I don't know, you stab them in the eye with tweezers, heaven forbid, I don't know, what whatever it might be. It's fraught with what danger it is. in every turn, isn't oh, it? Oh, look, I just say that because I had someone many moons ago when I was doing makeup, I was doing their eyelash and someone tripped behind me, fell into me, and the tweezers I was holding, like, literally just millimetres from her eye. And it was the bride. It was only the bride. Don't worry, it was only the bride on her wedding day. And the look on both of our faces, it was such a close call. Like, you nearly were a one-eyed bride. (laughs) one-eyed bride. (laughs) <laughs> so, oh so I have to say, since then, I not that I do it anymore, but I made sure I backed myself into a corner mm. when I was yeah. working from well, that. I always from say that it's always on. fun and games until someone loses an eye. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mm. There you go. So true. Okay, so get yourself a cash flow spreadsheet. You need to put one of those together. Very simple. What money's coming in and what's going out. That is the most important thing that you will ever uh, need to get a grip on, and you need to get focused on that for at least the first few years or so because cash flow is king. I don't care how profitable you are. If you've got no money coming in, maybe the people that owe you money, then you're not collecting it in time. Uh, Maybe who you're spending money on is wanting it up front. If those two things don't meet, you're in in a lot of strife. So you need to keep an idea of what's coming in and what's going out and when. Ideally, when you're earning money, you want it up front. And when you're spending it, try and delay those as much as you can. Um, The business right name, obviously, you need to get that registered. Again, if that's something that you want to do, if it's just a bit of a hobby, bit of passive money, maybe you don't need to do that. Register your social accounts too. So if you want to take things onto your TikToks and things like that, but also get clear on what social um, is going to work for you. So what demographic, if it's a younger demographic, probably TikTok, if it's someone who's like us a bit more mature, maybe Facebook and Instagram. Um, So, you know, have a look at that because you don't want to be disheartened and think, oh, it's not working for me when really maybe you're just you're promoting something on the wrong platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you really need to understand what you're, who your audience is. Yeah, absolutely. For what you're yeah. selling. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then look at, okay, once you've got those basic things sort of set up, where, where are you now going to start spruiking your idea or your business? And for me, it was markets, it was uh, events. So you've got your vegan events or you've got food events, you've got drink events. There's an event for everything. Mm. So get yourself, yeah, they're hard work. They're mm. bloody hard work. I think you've even, mm-hmm. you, you back in the day, yep. held your ground with a few of those with me, oh, like yeah. colour matching away. Oh, and, indeed, yep. I'm yeah. as fast and furious with my blending brush. Don't yes, worry about yes, that. Yes, yeah. That's it. You, you've got to pave. You, you know, you've got to, you've got to walk the walk and you've got to do the hard yard. So it's things like the markets, events, networking, events um you know it, it's just one or two people you don't have to go and speak to everyone in the room you just one good connection mm. you don't know where that's going to get you and it's such a great learning opportunity too because yeah. even though you know they are exhausting and you're talking a lot oh, and yeah, yeah. you come away and you just want to sit and look at a wall for 10 minutes mm. without speaking to anyone um you do look at them as learning opportunities either from a business to business perspective or business to customer um 
because you can really find the nuggets in terms of, you know, what you need to be saying about your product mm. that people need to get clearer on. If people are saying, oh, really, I don't understand what you do, um, and then you're explaining it to them, and they may actually say something back to you that actually really paraphrases yeah. what you do really well that you go, I'm going to write that down. Absolutely. Um, and you just or can you just use it in AI, Jack. Correct. <laughs> you can do that too. But um, but yeah, to get real insight from your customers, I think, and you mean because you might be able to turn that into an article or a social post that would resonate with somebody else. Yeah. So just really look at those things as learning opportunities as much as they are. Just you know, it's drudge at times. That's it. And and there's there's strength in vulnerability. Like mm. I think people have that imposter syndrome. They, oh, people are going to judge me. They're not, I'm not good enough to be doing this. It's embarrassing to say that I think I'm capable of this. Mm. Who gives a shit? Honestly, don't worry about it because everybody that's in some form of successful business started out in a very vulnerable state and you don't get anywhere without asking questions. And that's something I try and teach my kids. There is no stupid question. There's only a stupid person who hasn't asked it. So, you know, you, 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 there's so many resources, and I think if you are vulnerable, people are generally, I think, a bit nicer about it too. Say to them, look, do you, do you like this idea or you didn't take it up, why not? Like I'd love to know what I could have done differently. Um, know that the way you do things or maybe your ideas are not always going to be the right ones, and I think that's important. Don't have an ego in business or you're going to be out of it pretty quickly. Um, so I thought I'd just go through a, a couple of what I think the, the pros of transitioning Um the cons and then maybe some some steps, I suppose, around what you could do when you're transitioning between making money and mm. taking that, maybe you've got a job and you're wanting to take that leap because mm. that's scary. Oh, for sure. That's, oh. That, I think that is the biggest hurdle for pretty much everybody. Especially if you don't have a supportive partner because mm. they, they're going to want you to convince them that you can afford to take this leap. Mm. So that, that I mean, I, as as you are the same, we've got mm. supportive partners that mm. I don't think they'd care what we did, to be mm. honest, mm. Um, which is beautiful, but not everybody's in that situation. Mm. Uh, so I think the, the, the pros of obviously this for you would be is that your passion and enjoyment becomes something that you do each and every day. And then you're not working. We know that. You, you don't resent getting up. And that is just absolutely amazing to be able to do that. I think the personal fulfillment that you get from that is also amazing because you feel that you're serving a purpose. Even if it's not a purpose for everybody, it's a purpose for you. Um, you know, we all go to our grave. Not everybody has uh, what they did as a career. The only thing that happens is, you know, on your deathbed is that you either have regrets or you don't. And I think it's about doing these things that make you feel whole. Mm-hmm. Um, turning your passion into a job or, or a business, sorry, rather, is about flexibility and control. How awesome is that? You're definitely not going to get more time. You'll have less. Yes. <laughs> uh, but so, that, so let's get that straight. But the flexibility makes you feel like you want to work more. You don't mind because you know that you can do it when you want on your terms as mm. opposed to someone telling you you've got to work 60 hours between mm. whatever it is. You don't mind. That's me personally. Um, you get to monetize your skills, obviously. Okay, hopefully. Uh, the potential of growth and success is always an amazing feeling. When, you can, when someone buys or spends their money with you, your very first sale is such a beautiful affirmation that you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. someone believes in you, there is nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also about, sorry, Jack, pause, take a, a mental note there, I'm having a brain bleed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'll recover that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then and just 
now I think looking at just some some cons of things and then we can get a bit more nitty-gritty how you may need some ideas around how you can get these things to market. So you need to expect an increased pressure of your and, and demands. Like you, I know with the, the careers you probably have now, there's pressures there and they're probably frustrating because it's something maybe you're not absolutely loving. Yes, these are different pressures, but when you don't have anyone to blame, for what may be not going right, mm-hmm. that can be very soul-destroying and it can be very, very difficult for some people to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be very clear that the buck stops with you. It either works because of you or it doesn't work because of you. And it doesn't matter whether you've employed someone, you got the wrong product, um, the wrong colour came, whatever the reason is, it all falls back on you. So you need to be able to accept the pressure around things going wrong and the pressure of the amount of time you're going to have to invest into this because it's a lot more than probably what you think, especially if you want this to be an actual business. I mean, how many mistakes do you think you've made? Oh, God. <laughs> like if you, I mean, if you were to try, like, I mean, because you're not saying that you can't make mistakes. Of course, you yeah, have real. You make loads of mistakes. Yeah. So if you thought back now over 15 years, how many mistakes have you made from, you know, mm. getting the wrong piece of technology involved, hiring oh, the wrong hundreds, hundreds of mistakes, mm. honestly. But I, but I do believe in um, failing fast and, and just getting on with it really mm. quickly. Like I'd rather just test something out. Um, I'm not one that sits here and, and plans things to the nth degree because I think time is the most precious mm. thing. Um, and especially in society now, that things are just changing by the second. Mm. And so you need to jump on things pretty quickly. So I don't spend too much time testing things out. I just get in there. If it doesn't work, make calculated risk. Can I afford for this not to work? Of course. Um, But let's just get in there, see what happens and then move on. But monumental amount of of mistakes, you know, whether it's been um, maybe not employing the right person for a particular role, um, wrong platforms, which have cost me a lot of money for for the website, um, wrong packaging, but didn't suit the particular product that had to go in it. Um, you know, it, it could have been a number of different things. There's just been so much. It's, it's, oh, maybe there's a, a segment of all of the things I've done wrong. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the flip side of it is you've just got to get on and just go, okay, I've learned now. And there's no good or bad. It's just an outcome. And yeah. I think that's how you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, be prepared for financial uncertainty. But as I said before, set those ideals around what your debt um, comfort is, but there will also be financial uncertainty as to some weeks as as others. Maybe you've got more some weeks, sometimes you've got others. And I think that comes back to understanding what cash flow means as opposed to prof- uh, profitability. The biggest mistake I see with people that have come to me for business advice is they say, oh, my business is profitable. And then I look at their reports and there's no cash flow there. Mm. Um, and there's also things that sit in a P&L on a balance sheet that don't sit on a cash flow, like, for example, repayments on a car. Um, the repayments on a car go to your balance sheet, but the interest that you pay on the car sits in your P&L. So people think, well, hang on, I can see that I've profited, but where's all my money gone? It's been reducing your debt on your balance sheet. Don't want to scare off people too much, but Get clear on that. Google it. What is cash flow and what is profitability? Mm. What is not in the P&L? Um, what's in a balance sheet? And you need to be very clear on that mm-hmm. because I think by about year four, that's where I really got very clear on that. And prior to that, I didn't know myself. I was very much like, where is all my money going? Mm. Um, 
it looks like I've made a thousand dollars profit, but I've, I've actually just put some of my own money into this business. Where, where the hell is the thousand dollars? And it was simply because I hadn't taken into account in the P&L the repayments for, say, the car, repayments for the credit card. So anything that's a physical liability, that comes off your balance sheet because mm-hmm. those things are considered a liability. Mm-hmm. So you're reducing your debt in the liability. So the $500 or whatever I spent on the car is in a balance sheet. It's got nothing to do with the P&L. And so there's the money that's been going that I've not been realising. So you need to look at cash flow as being interest, repayments, expenses, absolutely everything in and absolutely everything out. And I think that's the only thing you need to really get clear on when you start your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also balancing your creativity with the commercialization of what you're doing. You need to be able to say, okay, today is the day that I do my painting. Tomorrow is the day maybe I work on social. Yep. Try and get very clear around that. Yep. Because, Time management is oh. absolutely crucial and because you can spin your wheels mm. just, you know, getting distracted by things that you must immediately get done now and there are always those things that you do need to get done now that have to pop up but all of a sudden you go, oh, shoot, shoot, I've got to attend to that. Mm. But you do really have to block your time over the course of the day, especially if you have a family um, and how you manage your time. Um, you know, it might be, you know, maybe two days a week that you take meetings. Absolutely. Um, one day or half a day you do ad morning admin. Yep. Another day you focused on doing social media mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it is. And you try and stick to it and because the, to burn, it. the burnout potential yep. is huge. Mm-hmm. If you are just running, like mm-hmm. you said before, you're just churning the wheel. And look, yeah, okay, you need to be agile and things yes. change. We get that. But, but have some structure. Um, because otherwise you are just going to feel constantly that everything you do is not enough. You will be with your kids thinking, oh, I feel guilty because I'm not spending time on the business. And then you'll be in the business, oh, I didn't spend any time with the kids. Mm. I think if you give yourself that clarity around when and where and with who you're going to spend your time, you will be more present. Mm. And I think it's also important at this point that when you are looking at changing something or moving something into being a business, there are going to be opportunity costs or things that you need to forego and be prepared to do that. Mm. So is it, you know, weekends out with the girls Mm. or is it your fitness? Hopefully not. Um, Or I I don't know. I just think there's so many things or so many areas we think we should be travelling, we should be going out with friends, we should be exercising, there's got to be me time, there's kids time, something's got to give. And you need to be very clear on what of those areas you're prepared to just by the wayside for a little while because you cannot do all of it. It's impossible. Um, If only we could, I wouldn't have any of the stuff that I've got here now, would I? I mean, it's just you just can't. You just can't do it all. Um, So I think they're the the pros and cons, but I I don't want anyone to ever underestimate the the money that goes into starting a business. Mm -hmm. I think whatever you've kind of quantified it might work out to be, um, allow for mistakes, maybe double what you think it needs Mm -hmm. to be. And also when you were talking about time management before, um, we've talked about this on past podcasts, I always allow for an extra hour in the morning for what I call sort of like meltdown moments. And that could be mine, it could be the kids, it could be the business. So I always get up that hour early before everybody else does so I can get my, my collect my thoughts, get me ready first. Yeah, I'd love to lay in bed the extra hour. I'm not going to lie, yeah, but I don't lie. because it's worth it. It's mm. worth it, it, it. The odd time that I've done that, I've regretted it. Yeah, because you just end up putting pressure on yourself at the back end of the day um, because you're playing catch up. 
on the whole time and you just never feel like you're ever going to hit your stride or be in the moment to be able to make decisions or think about things or assess processes or whatever's got to happen because you're going, oh, my God, in the background you're going, oh, I should have been doing this an hour ago. I should have been doing that half an hour ago. And you're just frazzled. That's it. And you just you end up, especially if you are a a woman, you end up being fraught with guilt because it's Mm. that, oh, this this issue melted this morning. So then when your child, little Johnny's come to you and then you snap at them and then the rest of the day you're not focused because you're feeling guilty about snapping at your child for whatever reason or vice versa. Maybe you're hung up on someone because, you know, you're giving attention to something else. So I think if you allow that extra time in the morning, you can Mm. then focus where you need to and you're not going to spend your day feeling guilty about things that you didn't do or maybe didn't do things as nicely as you could have. Mm. And doing it at the end of the day is you're too tired. You're far better off going to bed early. Yeah, I agree. And and, and hit the the sack by, you know, quarter past nine, nine thirty if you can. Um, And I'm finding I'm doing that more these days. Oh, my goodness. And get up at five, do your exercise or, you know, whatever it is you're going to do, meditate, you know, stretch um, and then get into it. Well, here's a fact. Pretty much by four o'clock most days, I'm in the bath. <laughs> so, mm. you know, that, that's my... That's in the afternoon, that is. That's, yeah, that's in the afternoon. afternoon. But mm. for me, as soon as, so as soon as I get home, whether it's 3, 3.30, 4 or whatever, I've got a husband who, who does all the pickups for the kids. So that's um, I've got that, which is great. But for me, whenever I get home, I have a ritual. And to turn off, I have to have a bath. Mm. Um, it takes no more time. I'm not in there for half an hour, but I have to sit in there, water. So it's like when you feel stressed, either drink water, mm. swim in water, mm. sit in water or watch water. That's one of my things. And so sitting in the bath, I'll get all my makeup off, get my pyjamas on, I do my night routine at whatever time, three, four, five o'clock. And then I feel like I'm able to switch on for the family so much better as well. And then even if I have to do a few business things later that night, I don't mind because I know I've been in the moment with them there in those few hours after the bath. So true. Take a wine in the bath too, I don't know, a non-alcoholic one. Um, I think too one of the other questions that I get asked is, oh, how do I and when do I know to transition between my career or my job? to do this thing, whatever this thing is. And I don't know that anyone can really answer that for you. I think it's a little bit of a leap of faith. Um, Having a little bit of money behind you, of course, if you've got the flexibility to maybe do your new thing either late at night or very early in the morning so you can continue your career or can you negotiate part-time or you have to accept that for a period of time you are you are going to be tired and you need to take on extra things to pay for your future business. So, for example, when I wanted to uh, get Adorn on board and we had no money, I did not have another role at a company. We were relying on my husband's wage. But what I did do, because I couldn't do much during the day, I had twin boys, I was nine months old, so not much you can do. But what I did when my husband was home Um, or around that was I thought of ideas of how I can make some passive income to put away to put towards a dawn. So what I would do is I went and did a big leaflet drop with the the kids, put them in the double pram, big leaflet drop that I would walk dogs. So this is 15 years ago before it was probably even a thing. I think you can get dog walkers everywhere now. Um, Did that, also said that we would dog sit. And so then I had people dropping off their dogs for like daycare, paying one lady paid me every day. She'd drop her dog off every day. It's like, this is unbelievable. Why a dog? 
she didn't want her to learn while she was at work. Oh, so she was working. Yeah, she was working. Oh, yeah, she yeah. Was. So it was people who, you know, and then I had people dropping off dogs that um, they were breeders and they were very precious with their dogs, fair enough. Um, and then they went on holiday. Or mm. So I made extra money by dog sitting, dog walking. And then I thought, I wonder if anyone will come to the house to get their beauty treatments. Like you said before, mm. I had a beauty salon. So then I get back out on the pram and then do another leaflet drop around the beauty services. And then before long, I couldn't believe it, I actually had people wanting to come to the house to have beauty treatments. So so here I was wax, waxing vagines, um, waxing... On the dining room table. Yeah, on the, on the dining room table. <laughs> no, look, trust me, I have to say, I'm going to admit, when I was learning to do my vagine waxing um, at home before this, my poor girlfriends, it was on a dining table. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I'm like, this is just too, we would just laugh our heads off. But anyway, so I would do all of these beauty treatments, do the dogs. Imagine if Matt came home oh. in the middle of that one. Yeah. Could you please text me in advance? Yeah. Um, so it was looking at things that I was capable of doing um, to make that extra income. Yes, I was bloody tired half oh, the time yeah. with all of these things, but I just sure. had to make it work. Mm. And the money that I made went straight into producing what I could at the time, which was a dawn. So I didn't see any of it. And there was even a point where as things got busier, I then employed a nanny one day a week. So the money I made from the waxing paid for the nanny for the day. So then I could then work on the business. So you need to expect that there's going to be a long period of time before, in fact, for me, I think it was nine years I didn't take a wage from a dawn. That's Mm -hmm. just like, let that sit into your mind for a moment. It's a lot. So but, you know, of course, I'm trying to create something quite big and not everybody maybe wants to go down that track. But you do need to look at other ways. Either you can you save money or how can you make some extra money if you're not prepared to, to give up the job or your day job, as they say. Mm-hmm. God, it's, it's, it is really, I think anyone can really appreciate the, you know, colossal effort. Mm. Um, I mean, as you say, I mean, you've built up, you know, a, a big company and a, you know, a large well-known brand but you know regardless of what it is that you are doing or you're wanting to sell or what it is you're you're peddling you know the effort and the mind space it takes up um is the mental toughness it is it really is and trying to be creative i mean i had a situation when i was writing children's books and it was it was you know that whole thing of like well what else can i do to generate income apart from just selling books and i would go and do school visits Love it. And, you know, would go and read my book and yeah. run activities and writing exercises with the children from, you know, the kinder right through mm. to grade six. Mm. And and then you start getting creative about how you can do that. And I was producing my own learning tools yeah. and, and, you know, education materials. Branching off. Correct. Yeah. And just trying to use every bit of the skills that you have yep. and making it easy for people to buy from you. Yes. And yeah. I think that's the next thing, isn't it, really? Yeah. It's about how can you make the simple, the process of decision-making from their perspective to say, oh, yes, I want this, and yes, this is an easy decision. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think it, you, you need to be prepared that you, you've got to go out there and um, put yourself on the line a little mm. bit because mm. you can't employ other people to do that for you. And even if you can and maybe you've got this amazing idea and you want to take it to market and get investors, that's 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 a different kettle of fish. That's not for everybody and it definitely wasn't for me. Um, you know, if you're wanting to, to do this by yourself, you need to get really clear on or get some extra talents or skill sets that maybe you, you haven't always had or maybe you don't think you're that great at, but just start somewhere because I think for me, 
a lot of what I know now was learnt on on the job um, through all the different stages of a dorm, but I'm very grateful for it because now running it at at sort of that CEO level, um, I understand every fundamental aspect of the business. So if someone comes to me and says, look, this packaging is not filling or we can't use this machine for this, I know because I was filling the products. Um, you know, I was entering things onto the website. I was out there selling. I was teaching classes in people's homes, how to do makeup, how to colour match. So right from the customer perspective through to the employees, what are the things that they may be experiencing? And I think that's been really key for us to transition and do things as well as we are because I at the top have understood what's been happening at all levels. So I think there's a really good advantage if you can have a bit of a taste of everything. Mm -hmm. But like you said, look at other ways that you can branch out from your product or your service. Um, Is there something free that you can offer to give people a bit of a taste of what you do? Like you're reading your books. I'm sure kids went home and like, I want this book. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. You know, get out there because you're going to have a great idea and no one knows about it. So you do have to get clear on how you're going to set it up how are you going to establish yourself? How are you going to run this? And then how on earth are people going to find you and and in the right places? But those first, oh God, the first 12 months, stress, 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 but, you know, manage it. And then I think the first, you need to commit that a good five years is going to go into this for you mm. um, to get this to a level of it being, um, you know, a, a profitable business mm. that you're comfortable in. Again, if it's just a passive income, that's great too. Like, I think it's important, Jack, I, I think you and I, we go to a lot of events together. And I know when we meet people, they'll often say, oh, hi, I'm, I'm just a mum or hi, oh, I just do reception or I hate that just nonsense. Mm. You're not just anything. Like, mm. you, as long as you're happy, couldn't give a rat's what you do, and no. neither should you. It's not a it's not a competition. Who's got the the most flashiest uh, title? Or the, yeah, the flashiest yeah. title mm-hmm. or the biggest turnover. Mm-hmm. This is about passion, and this is the whole podcast point here. Is that it's about passion. So, where do you want to take it? There's no right or wrong, but just know that depending on where you want to take it, there's going to be pros and cons to to both options. Indeed, and you've just got to be comfortable with those at what point you are in your life, what you're trying, what personal goals you're trying to achieve, what your personal financial situation is. Um, All these things do have to be taken into consideration and you have to try and somehow um, find a middle ground of understanding as to what that all is. Um, And you... You know, you might misjudge it. A lot of people do. Um, But you just, at the end of the day, you have to learn from it. So, you know, I think there is also that point where, you know, and this would be the other thing that, you know, people, and I'm sure you did, how far do you go? Mm. <laughs> where's the out? Yeah. Where, where's the chicken gate? Yeah, because, that's it. and it's not, calling it chicken gate is not right because I'm talking about, you know, a, um, a roller coaster mm. where you can bow out at the last minute before you get on it. But um, a lot of people do get on the roller coaster and then they want to get off. Yeah. And I suppose that is another really key thing and not seeing that as failure. If yep. you do have to get off the That's roller coaster, well, there's go, strength in there, there's strength in, in, in ending something too. You know, yep. like it, it's it's hard mm. to say goodbye to a relationship. It's like hard to say goodbye to you know, yeah, business mm. or I suppose working for someone. Mm. It is you, you mm. do have to you don't just keep pursuing something just for the sake of it. Um, you're not proving anything to anybody, mm. and there is strength in in giving up, but just saying you know this isn't right. I mean, I think 
there's so many, you know, successful entrepreneurs out there that have had so many failed businesses and they don't let that define them. They just get on and go, okay, that didn't work. Let's curate a different way and, and move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important not to beat yourself up. So if you're listening to this and maybe you are in the trenches and you're mm-hmm. like, I just don't know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you need to sort of look at all of the areas of the business, why isn't it working? Have you just lost the passion? Do you need to find uh, a community or find a mentor that can help? Because it is lonely. That's the other thing. It's lonely when you've got a, a passionate idea and, and maybe other people don't quite get what you're doing. So that's it's, it is lonely. So find someone that you could share that with. Um, and, and look at the business from an individual point of view, each area, because it might be that there's just something that is not your skill set that's dragging you down and that's tiring you and that's convincing you to let go when maybe if you just found a solution for that, um, you would be reinvigorated. And how awesome that these days, um, we sound like a bunch of old farts, but it is. Like, you know, back when we were, you know, young young ladies, Mm. if you wanted extra income, really the only thing you could do was like a party plan situation. you know, good old Tupperware and things like that. So uh, now you can Uber, you can, like I said, dog walk, you can sell on marketplaces, you can make things, put them on Etsy. It's quite expensive now to do that. But anyway, there's so many ways you can make money now. It's mm. it's amazing. And I think it's exciting for a lot of the younger kids, especially that maybe um, don't love the academic side of school. Maybe yeah. they are more creatives and they want to go out and do things. So, um, you know, don't be scared because there's so many more affordable ways of testing out what you want to do before mm. you take this massive leap. Well, even if, you know, for example, say if you did want to get into fashion mm. or you did you know, want to get into beauty and so you had this idea brimming, you know, on the side, um, go and get a job in retail yes. at, um, in a clothing shop in Absolutely. a similar brand that what where you're looking to pitch your, you know, products mm. to because you're going to get to know the customer's really well, I mean, without the risk of having to run that business like you had your own salon, yeah. go and work with somebody else. <laughs> you're earning money for a start, so you're actually earning, mm. you know, um, an income and you're learning at the same time about that business that you're wanting to be in and it's a great way for you to work out, is this something I really want to be in, this, this industry? So um, I think that's, you know, you might love designing clothes, you might love making clothes, but do you think you could actually be in that? And then you might spend, you know, six or six to 12 months working for a retail, you know, clothing brand and dealing with customers and their complaints about how they mm. deal with this, that and everything else. And you go, nope, this yeah. is not for me. I mean, I mean, I did a politics degree at uni yeah, yeah. and I'm um, not, you make a business out of, you know, politics. But, you know, I came out of uni, I did an internship at Parliament House and I spent spent 12 months doing an internship and went, new. Yeah, I am not made out for this. But yeah. the skills I learned, obviously, yeah. doing that job um, gave me the ability to go ahead and write children's books. That's, that's, that's it. I've yeah. worked with children. From one extreme to another. Like you've gone from dishonesty to the most honest group, honest group of people possible. So, yeah, so I think that that is, again, you know, if you are going to have to supplement your income, go and work somewhere yeah. similar to be able to learn. Yeah, because you, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. This is the other thing. Like I know a lot of the comments I got when I, when I wanted to start at Dawn was, I never forget one network marketing thing I went to and I was sitting next to this lady. I was by myself. She asked me what I do and I said, oh, I've got my own um, cosmetic brand and she looked, looked at me and she said, what? sorry, what you make? And I said, yeah, I've got my own little brand I'm starting. And she said, 
why would you do that when there's so many other brands around? Oh, you fucking broke, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. might need to put a pretty person uh, yeah, Anyway, morning, yeah. yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. First of all, That's how rude. Nasty. Yeah. How rude are you? Yeah. Um, but I thought, well, that's probably what goes goes through people's heads. That's all fine. But um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel is the point of it. my matter here is that you can, like you said, go and get the experience wherever it might be and really hone in mm. on, the, on the shit they're getting wrong. Mm. You know, what are those customers complaining about? Is mm. there not the right sizes? Is the fabric falling apart? Is mm. it what? I don't know. Whatever. Play absolutely pay rather close attention to what is going wrong mm. because it's all about customer service. And if you provide a really good service, obviously your, your product has to back that up. But mm. people will stay with you if they feel part of a community or part of a story, part of a purpose, and you're solving a pain point. Mm. And I think that's key what you just said. Mm. Go and get the experience. Whether you have to take a crap pay and mm. do a trade for a bit or, or learn on the job, you are saving yourself years of uni. Mm. Okay, think of it that way. Um, mm. You know, you're not coming out with a uni debt. Maybe you didn't get the great, the great pay initially, but you got to sit there and listen and hands-on experience what to do better. Mm. And that's all business is, is mm. doing something better than the last person. Mm delivering on your promises and, you know, making sure that, you know, you of course you're able to, you've got the mental capacity and, and the tenacity and, and the perseverance to keep going. Yeah, no, I agree. And and even when you do get to that point maybe where you are already in your business and you just feel as though something's not quite right um, and really, again, honing in or looking at what do you maybe need to do to scale back slightly. Mm. Sometimes it might be that you've just gone too hard too soon yeah. and you're trying to do too much because someone said, oh, you should also do this, oh, you should also do this, basically, you know, oh, you should also offer one of these. It would be great if you did that. Oh, yeah. And you just go too hard too soon when you've just really got to stick scale back to what the core yeah. essence of what it is that you're trying to do and do that really well yes. to the demographic or to the market that you really need to yeah, do Don't be tempted. To. Don't be yeah. tempted. You've mm-hmm. got to really hone in on your mm. core offering or product. Mm. And it is tempting. I know um, I think years ago when you were first with me, we were exploring um, or got op- the opportunity to potentially go into one of the department stores. Mm. Now, mm. Um, very tempting, of course, because, oh, I'm in a department store. Yes. But it would have meant sacrificing my belief around waste. Yep. And as most people that follow Adorn or use Adorn know, we don't do out of packaging. So if you get the lip by lipstick, that's all you get. So for me to have gone into a store, I would have had to sacrifice some of my core beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would have probably made money a little bit quicker. Um, but, you know, it's about being very, very clear on what your core beliefs are or your product and sticking to that because it yeah. eventually will pay off. Yeah, yeah. And we were going to be dictated to on a massive scale as yeah, to yeah, there's that, too. Yeah, yeah. There's so that. that lack of control um, as yeah. well in some ways. So you've just got to, yeah, you've got to think seriously. Make sure the alliances with who you are um, collaborating with are mm. uh, ones that work in synergy because mm. you just don't want your hard work around mm. your brand or your messaging to be bastardised by someone who hasn't quite got it. It yeah. might not be intentional. Um, and that's a key thing too, you know, 
work with someone else that's that's maybe in a similar space to you that you, your product or service can bounce off each other that's mm. such a um an economic way of you know getting a, a doubling your audience possibly mm. collaborations um, definitely yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely don't sell yourself sell your soul to the devil but yeah look at yep. who's going to enhance your brand um, and who supports the same ethos mm. that you do and, um, yeah, work together. Yeah, and, and, and definitely don't have to go for massive big influences. Go mm. with some smaller ones that where, where you're still testing things and you're able to get that feedback more so because that's what's going to be key in the first few years is just to keep ironing and ironing out all of the crinkles and do it at a smaller scale. Like you said before, you don't want to go too big because mm. then you might just have to go home. We don't want that. Speaking of going home, yeah. On, on that, on that note, <laughs> that was a good, that's a good note, Did wasn't it? It's like that segue. Yeah, I know, right? Well, there's a lot in this today, mm-hmm. um, definitely. And again, we love hearing everyone's feedback and thoughts around um, in some of the topics we discuss. If there's a subtopic within something that we've brought up that we feel that we can then, you know, talk about that in more detail, then we're obviously happy to have a, a look mm-hmm. at that as well. Oh, they want to know how many times I actually had to suck my thumb from the mistakes I made over the last. 15 years there might not be enough hours in the day yeah. but we could do one on that too be a fair <laughs> bit of that too well i think that's it for today thank you Bryony. that was a really great and really helpful insightful um podcast today i think everyone will agree that you would have all probably gotten something worthwhile to take away from today's yeah, absolutely. I hope so. Thanks, Jack. You've been listening to the Bryony Kennedy Lifestyle Edit, brought to you by Dawn Cosmetics. Luxury without the guilt.